Hey guys, we are pleased to say that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation charity. And now, a message from one of our supporters. Hi Sylvia, this is one mother to another mother. I've got some children which could be considered as just a bit different and I'm so proud of them. What you do in memory of Sophie is amazing. I remember when it happened and I remember being very, very seriously affected by it emotionally. It just cut me deep and I've been so impressed with all the work that you've carried out, raising awareness and trying so hard to stop that kind of vicious, unnecessary stupidity, violence, cruelty. You've been amazing. Carry on the good work and we'll keep on supporting you. Thank you very much. To learn more about this wonderful charity, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Hey, Jamie, do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just head on over to www.staycosyclothing.com where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters, and much, much more. With a new fall line out now. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at Stay Cozy Clothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Hey, honey bunny, it's Rivka Reyes, and you are listening to the Chronicles of Podcast. Well, insulate my ass, boys. Welcome to hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesday. And these are the Chronicles of Rivka Reyes. Why Rivka this week, Jamie? Well, we thought, as you found out Monday, this week's episode is with incredible actress Danielle Bergio, who's been in iconic movies like The Matrix. So let's throw back to an episode with someone who's in another iconic movie, School of Rock. Oh, yeah, we love that. Riv was an absolutely, genuinely wonderful human being. This, I remember, as being Jay, one of Jamie's favourite interviews and also Riv's British accent... Magnifique. This is not wrong. It is one of my favorite episodes from from the old from the good old days. It is one of my favorite episodes. Riv was amazing, incredible personality, just absolutely glorious. I love this interview so much. They were so wonderful. It's a it was an absolute pleasure uh, to have them on our show. Um, Crazy, almost in a way, because it's like, but you were Katie in School of Rock. (laughs) Right, <laughs> you know, and and they've gone through many, many, many wonderful, more beautiful things after that movie as well. Obviously, uh, they're a singer, uh, they're a comedian. You know, they do absolutely unbelievable improv as well. The improv stuff as well, absolutely incredible. Um, but this is such a banging interview, absolutely amazing. Go check out their Instagram feed. They've got so much amazing things. They've got a new movie coming out. They're still doing their podcast. Where are they now? Pod and. They also do Akashic Records readings and you can book yourself a session with them now. 
please go and check that out at Rib Careers on Instagram. Get involved. Get following right now. Do it. As we're telling you, we'll wait. We're, we're going to wait. wait. We're going to wait for a minute. All right. We'll crack on. There you go. Go go follow right now. We'll wait. Have you done it yet? Have you? Fucking better. Uh, you better be lying. Right. We'll find out. We'll come to your house. We will. We'll be there right before you know it, like the flash. All right. Run, Barry. Or Quicksilver. Or any other speedster that exists in the universe of any other multiverse of any Marvel or DC related. Anyway, I'm going with this. So, Jamie, (laughs) any final words? No, just Riv, you're amazing. Like I said, one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. So, please, everyone, enjoy the hell out of this. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the Chronicles of Riff Careers. Ladies and gents, this week we bring you another glorious guest. This week's guest has more talent in their little finger than me and Tom have combined, to be quite honest. They are an actor, a musician, a comedian, a podcaster, and a spiritual being. They first came to fame as the badass Katie alongside Jack Black in School of Rock, but that is only a small part of this amazing person. Everybody, welcome to the show, Riff Careers. Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. Really, really appreciate your time. Um, So, Rivka, how has your last year been? My last year has been wild. I've, you know, I've learned a lot about myself, my, my desires, my dreams. And I think this last year was a lot about destruction. And this year is now more about, like, rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of that thing of like, in order for like things to be rebuilt, they have to like fall apart first. Um, yeah. so we're just doing a lot of re, uh, visioning of my future. Um, so yeah, yeah. Lots of tears, lots of, uh, lessons, lots of blessings. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm honestly a little grateful that the pandemic happened because it you know, definitely cleared out a lot of um, uh, people from my life that I, you know, didn't need in my life. Yeah. Um, not the pandemic, like nobody died, like not <laughs> nobody that I know. <laughs> guess, guess. Um, but the real friends stuck around, you know, and like the, the you know, the family, the, the like chosen family got stronger and everyone else kind of just is everyone else. It's quite a beautiful way to look at it to be like, you know, there's not a lot of people like it was shit. It was, it was shit. This happened, you know, got but the way you've interpreted it is quite that's lovely. I'm, you know, it's good. Now, even though we obviously everything had to fall apart first, but now the rebuild has begun and everything is just absolutely marvelous. That's what I'd like to hear. Um, yeah. But during all of that, did you teach yourself anything? Like, did you learn a language or a new skill or anything like that at all? Yeah. Um, so I learned how to read the Akashic Records, which is not a physical um, document or anything like that, but there's this kind of liminal, universal database of everything that was, everything that will be, and everything that is presently. And I read this book about how to open them uh, and started following this company uh, called Holisticism that taught like a 14 day little crash course on how to open them for yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And now I open them for other people. Like, and it's, it's super cool. It's like a, it's like a fun psychic superpower, um, that allows me kind of access into, um, worlds outside of my own understanding. That's wow. Really cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everyone's jaws are on the ground. Everyone's giving me a standing yeah. ovation. <laughs> <laughs> But I'd assume that must play a huge part in this rebuild, as you've said. Definitely. I use them to open, you know, I, I open my own records, you know, maybe once every couple of days. And I ask them big questions like, you know, about my purpose, about my path and also small questions like what color should I wear today? You know, like they, they do have the answer to to everything um, as long as it doesn't have like a timestamp on it. That's the only boundary, really. They're like we don't really understand time because time is like this thing that we kind of made up. Um, and, uh, other than that, yeah, I could really, you know, uh, as far as, you know, what patterns should I put on my website for, you know, the, the branding and like, what words should I, you know, use in my Instagram bio, things like that. But also like, what should I be looking for in a lover? Like, you know, it's, it does really, it is a very broad and roomy um, place uh, to be. And it has helped me a lot in, yeah, in future casting, like basically looking at, you know, what the the road ahead for me looks like. And that is kind of how my podcast was born. That's amazing. Beautiful. That is amazing. So obviously we want to talk a bit about your backstory because like, that's what we like to do on here. We like to chronicle people's tales. So I mean, you got into performing at a very young age. I believe I already started playing guitar at four. Was that right? Mm-hmm. That's mental. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, so, you know, was performance something you always wanted to get into or is it just, I think the guitar is really, really cool. I really didn't have a choice, honestly. Like it, it wasn't like I was asked what I wanted to do. Um, you know, uh, a lot of my friends, were asked when they were kids like hey like what do you want to do dance do you want to do gymnastics sports like what do you want to do and they were given the options um i had a lot of friends who were like randomly into ice skating and i was just like that would have been cool that would have been a cool thing to do god like i I wish i had gotten some kind of athletic skill um that's the the one area that i'm very lacking uh in uh like my athleticism is like walking is enough and even that i'm like winded uh but (laughs) um but no i I mean i was not really given an option um the option that i was given was like i think my parents like knew like that they had pretty much you know set in stone that i was going to be a musician um and they gave me the choice of uh, guitar violin cello piano and flute i believe were the choices um that i was offered and i picked violin at first but i had one violin lesson and i didn't quite like it and so um i opted for guitar because i felt like it was close to violin enough um but i still got to um yeah i I still got to try guitar out and and it ended up being my favorite thing in the world for for many years i mean for from when i was like four till yeah till when i was 10 and i got bit by that acting bug like I was a very serious, you know, morning I would practice, night I would practice, lunch I would practice, dinner I would, whatever, 
you know, I, I would kind of use the guitar as like a means to escape uh, for a little while. And then acting uh, kind of happened for me. And I was just like, yeah, this is actually what I want to do. That's good. I'm just thinking though, like, when I was four, if someone said to me, what, you, <laughs> what instrument do you want to play? But like, I don't even know what half of these things are. <laughs> I think I just yeah. want to spin, spin around and do roly-polies all the time, I think, is what I did at four years. <laughs> now, are roly-polies in uh, the UK something different than what they are here? Well, you, like, do a forward roll. That, so, like, okay, so we call that a somersault, and roly-polies, at least where I'm from in Chicago, are little bugs. They're the little bugs that are, like, they roll into little balls. Have you ever seen them? Really? I've seen, yeah. I've seen them, yeah. But what are they called what? in the UK? I, I don't, in, insects? I, I don't know. Holy poly bug. They're called pill bugs. But I don't know what they're called in, in your neck of the woods, but we call them roly polies. <laughs> I, know, I know it's a dessert. <laughs> Wait, roly polies is a dessert? Yeah, jam roly poly, yeah. Yeah I, know, yeah, I know those. You know, you've seen these. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them, yeah. You guys don't have a name for them? It's like a not that. I mean, my insect knowledge is not. It's like a woodlice, that sort of thing. Woodlice, yeah, that is yeah. that is it. Yeah, or doodle bugs, some people call them. Yeah, I've heard that. So they're called roly-polies? In America, yeah, but they're called okay. woodlice. But there we That's go. Because yeah. I thought a somersault was when you were off the floor. No. Really? I'm not getting an education here. Am I crazy? <laughs> no. Wait, what's a somersault? So I thought a somersault was where you flip in the air and then land on your feet. Now, okay, well, hold on. See, I told you I didn't get into gymnastics. I got into <laughs> gymnastics. Somersault definition. Okay. I think you're thinking of a rolling yeah. pony. It's like a forward roll, isn't it? It's another way of talking yeah. about it. Um, a tumble is what I was thinking of. A somersault is, in fact, when you are in the air. Yeah, I was, so I was wrong. I was wrong. You were right. Tumbling is like, yeah, like, um, yeah, tuck and rolling and doing. Yes, roll that's what, yeah, that's what I was doing four years old. Great. Not as, you know, not as exciting as learning guitar and you know becoming incredible at it. I just that, wanted. That was how we got that conversation. I couldn't remember then. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you said you got bit by the acting bug. How did that transition happen from going from playing guitar to acting? So through my guitar lessons, I got the opportunity to be on um, this NPR show called From the Top, where they took classically trained kids to perform their like best piece and showcase them and you know sometimes they would do little interviews with the kids and for my interview I was like nine years old at the time I I had just lost the school spelling bee and it was like I was really sad about it because I had won a couple years before uh two years in a row and I was just Why? like bitter and <laughs> I lost the, the <laughs> I lost the fourth grade spelling bee and then went on this from the top show and it's so funny now thinking about it because if I hadn't lost that spelling bee, I might not have been charming or had something interesting enough to go on from the top. And from the top is how the casting directors for School of Rock found me. They brought me into audition. They 
they called in a bunch of people from that show that had been classically trained myself and Robert Tsai, the actor who played uh, Lawrence, the piano player in the movie. Um, yeah. They called us in from that and like, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's so wild to think about the fact that if I hadn't, you know, lost the spelling bee and been bullied endlessly and had that resentment, <laughs> I maybe wouldn't have had anything super interesting to say in my little phone call interview that I had before getting selected to be on from the top. And if I hadn't been on from the top, I definitely would have been, wouldn't have been uh, scouted for School of Rock. So there you go, you know? Um, so yeah, School of Rock was my first professional audition. Um, I definitely was <laughs> spoiled in that I booked the first job I ever auditioned for. And it gave That's me a pretty, like unrealistic uh, expectation of the industry of show business as a whole. But, you know, I once I was on set, even though like it was intimidating and like all the lights and cameras and stuff were super um scary and you know every time i'd like look in the, the camera <laughs> like i would be like i can't fuck this up because time is money time is money uh and being like employed at 10 years old like was such a wild concept to me um but i did really love the the being on set and the you know getting to work with other kids and like getting to, you know, live in a hotel in New York for a couple months and then go back to school and then like leave school and like go travel and, you know, meet the Olsen twins and all that. And like, you know, then go back to school and then travel again. And I really did like that um, elusive, you know, Hollywood vibe um, to a point where it then became my mission to book something bigger than school of rock so i could continue the momentum and then when that didn't happen i was just so defeated that i was just like well fuck this but i continued to act because it was just something about that being on set and like stepping into a character that you know and i majored in theater and you know i i continued to do plays in my you know in chicago like professional you know theater work and stuff like that and doing like indie films and web series of my friends and you know auditioning here and there um but acting you know i think is always what i was meant to do um because i'm i find that storytelling is really what i was meant to do yeah did you ever think that school of rock would be as absolutely massive as it became no no, I wasn't expecting it to have as much of a kind of handprint on the heart of like pop culture as it has. And it's so funny. I was just like on a on a date very recently and the person she she brought up, she we didn't even talk about school. Drag. I don't even think she knew who I was like, which I like I like it that way. And she mentioned like my dad's face. She was, she was like her dad. Uh, I guess her dad's favorite movie was School of Rock and I didn't say anything. Um, and she was just like, yeah, my dad just like loves Jack Black so much, like School of Dark is his favorite movie. And I was just like, that's really cool. I didn't say anything because I was like, would it be weird if I said something? Like, it's maybe she like, knew? Yeah, I she to, to try to pry it out of you, like, come on, feed it to me, come on. <laughs> maybe she knew. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm very bad at reading uh, situations like that. But yeah, I, I try not to bring it up. When I, especially when it comes to like dating and stuff, um, because I wouldn't want anyone to uh, like put 
that on me like if that yeah, makes yeah. sense like i wouldn't yeah. want that to become the whole thing um but yeah yeah I, I mean it's just wild that that school rock had such a impression on people um i still get messages from folks saying like your your character inspired me to like pick up an instrument and play and i'm like that's really nice i'm glad that i could be that for you because i didn't have like a person that inspired me to pick up an instrument like you know it was like just something that was like put upon me <clears throat> and i'm grateful for that because it is what i love to do and i love performing and i love singing and playing and storytelling and all that and you know i think songwriting is another form of storytelling but like yeah really like i i think about this a lot especially with my podcast like one of the questions that i ask all my guests like is who was your matilda because for me matilda was where i first felt seen in media because this is this like little girl who you know had kind of a you know dysfunctional family and yep. you know she was she could move mm -hmm. stuff with her mind and i was very witchy ever since i mean i've always been really witchy ever since i was a little kid um but yeah like that was more you know so so when people say like you were the like you you were it for me like the person that i saw on screen and saw myself in you i was just like that's an honor because you know having had that experience with watching matilda and then watching harry potter and whatever you know it, it is like a, a true honor to to have that um, that must be so cool to hear especially like not only because as an actor but as a musician as well it's it's like twofold it's that's gonna be really cool to hear so when you were doing the movie though did you quite understand the gravity of being in a movie with jack black joan cusack and not even miranda had a name at that point from drake and she josh and whatnot. Yeah. she wasn't um no miranda hadn't she drake and josh hadn't come out yet at that point oh, it was she drake and just, josh after i thought it was before she had just filmed the pilot when we were shooting school of rock she had like come from shooting the pilot of drake and josh to school of rock and then she uh. shot the rest of the series after um but she she was super like humble um about it like i didn't even know what the fuck a pilot was when i was a kid like, what's a pilot like i don't know like an airplane like what um but uh jack was super humble they were everyone was such a delight to work with like i didn't know who sarah silverman was um until after the fact and then i realized i was like wow she's like so cool she's got all this like amazing comedy and she's like so controversial um joan cusack was our neighbor in chicago so like she was just joan like she was just joan from down the street um it's amazing yeah awesome. yeah because i grew up in in chicago like literally around the corner from her so she was just joan who happens to also be an actor who lives, you know, around the corner from us, Jack was, I mean, he made it so difficult to be starstruck because he was just so like, he was a worker among workers, you know, he mm. was just with us. He was one of us. And he, there was never any like snooty, like, you know, Oh, I'm the star and you guys are just the like little like animals that they like brought in to like, you know, make me look good. Like it was never like that. He was always so, so kind and so fun. And we just had so, so much fun, um, working with him because he was so kind and everyone on the set was super nice to the kids. That's not the experience that all child actors get, uh, when, you know, working in film, <laughs> um, but 
we were very fortunate to to have um that and yeah before uh we went into production i like watched a couple of jack's movies under the supervision of my mother because some of his stuff was kind of risque for a 10 year old to watch <laughs> but i watched a shallow Hal and clips of um some clips of tenacious d that were like appropriate and was like oh he's cool yeah he's really funny like wow cool nice um but again i like didn't really understand the magnitude of of you know of him you know being there and then yeah just he's such a he's such an icon i mean he's the funniest person alive <laughs> one of the funniest people alive and just such a clown that's what we love yeah so did, did you get along with like all the other kids is it like a bit of a family sort of thing yeah, we were. We were very much a family. I mean, like, yeah, we were like ranging from fourth to eighth grade when we shot that. And, you know, we had our little moments of like kind of bitchiness and like whatever. But like for the most part, like I would say for 90 percent, we were like just madly in love with each other. We like all would sit together at lunch and like we would play with, you know, we play little video games or go to the movies together like we were constantly hanging out offset and on set like um because we shot the film over four months in new york and not everyone was from new york um and so we would like go see plays on broadway we'd go to the movies we'd go get center at benihana we would go to like some of the there was this like jekyll and hyde uh, restaurant in new york that we would love because it was like so scary like it was like a horror themed uh, restaurant that we loved so much and yeah we go to Benihana all the time and um uh we would just like walk around Times Square because like some of us had never been to New York before like I I had been because I've got family in there in New York but yeah it was just so it was so cool and we'd go to the wax museum and you know there's like photo albums upon photo albums in my my parents home of just like us on set and off set like just bopping around New York living our like best lives and today we have a thriving group chat. I actually, we were texting yesterday because we, <laughs> the guy, somebody tweeted about the guy who played Spider in the movie. And if you guys don't know, Spider. I saw this article yesterday. He's the one who like, he replaces Dewey in No Vacancy. And he's like the kind of like hot guy uh, in the band. And we we i found this tweet that was like just so you guys know spider from school of rock is now the district attorney of tyler county in texas and there's like a picture of him like being sworn in <laughs> we were all just like what and some of the kids like some of the other kids were like oh you should get him on the podcast <laughs> do it do it do it yeah <laughs> I, I don't know what to ask him i, I don't know anything about politics uh, especially not in texas but i think it would be cool to have him on the show i would really i mean there are a couple people from school of rock that weren't kids like that i i want to have on the show so badly like some of the guys from no vacancy were so cool and like I don't know. I mean, even the, yeah, even the people from the Broadway show, like that, that was spawned off of the movie, like are really cool. Like I'm still like in contact with some of them and yeah, like it, it is such a, um, it is such a family an ensemble, a, a team and our group chat is called Schnee Blay. Um, brilliant. That's amazing. Awesome. Brilliant. <laughs> That's incredible. It yeah. must've been like, quite tough though keeping all of these kids entertained 
keep you all calm because you're out of your comfort zone. Like a lot of you said you weren't from New York and I assume education continued in some form of way. And, th- and that's just yeah. the kids alone, let alone the parents trying to keep them calm and sane for it all as oh, well. God. Yeah, the moms were another story. They're, they're <laughs> the moms were wild. Um, they would, you know, it was funny because sometimes they would leave, uh, they would like pay the onset tutors to babysit us while the moms would like go, ga- go out and get drunk. <laughs> what? <laughs> they would just no. like leave us in our hotel. Like, yeah, there was a night where it was just the girls and like, it's like me, Miranda, Caitlin, uh, Mariam, Alicia, Jordan, Veronica. And we were all in, I think, my hotel room. And all of the moms had like gone out for a like girls' night out. And one of our onset teachers, whose name was Missy, she got to stay with us and we had like a little slumber party hotel moment it was very it was very sweet um the moms were like all you know their own family um and they are all still in contact i believe um i i don't really i wouldn't really know i like it's it's funny because i i i talked to i talked to some of the moms from the film more than i talked to my own mother so it's like (laughs) it's 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 pretty wild it's it's pretty crazy um but yeah uh i forgot what the question was at this point but yeah kids oh yeah yeah yeah. no uh keeping us entertained was really easy because kids are so easily entertained we on set they had these little i mean this is horrible super racist (laughs) now but they're they're on set where these little figurines called homies they were these little like inch sized figurines of like they were like black and brown like characters from the hood and they were all cholas and like (laughs) they were like papi chulo and like this one is like d-rod from the like literally they were so cringe (laughs) but we loved them so much we collected them like the the pas would like buy us homies because they were they were just like addicted um so we would like play little games with (laughs) <laughs> there was me thinking that you had these figures and you'd made this homie stuff. They were actually called homies. There was a they real were thing. They literally called homies. They were so bad. Oh, I'm wow. sure you'd be able to like research, like find them online. And they're so, so bad. They're just like so stereotypical. Um, and we would like create little backstories for them and stuff. And, you know, it was, it was pretty, we were pretty creative. Like, this is her baby daddy. And like, <laughs> And then, like I said, we would play Ouija boards, like we would play Dance Dance Revolution. Um, what's that? Dance Dance Revolution is fantastic. So fun. And then, like, if the, in, it was, it, we, yeah, we had onset tutoring too, because we were filming during school. Um, and they had like the older kids separated um, by grade um, from the younger kids. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really, really fun. I, I mean, I really loved. I really loved being able to get away from school because in my my actual school in Chicago, I was not very happy. I was very like odd kid out because I wasn't sporty or athletic at all. And I was kind of just yeah. like the weird classical guitar girl. Like, <laughs> and like, I don't know, like the kids would, we would always have a talent show and I won a couple times, which was cool. Um, but like, 
it would always be like a bunch of like kids like doing like these like hip hop dance routines or like doing like martial arts. And then I would come out and play like a, a very serious classical guitar piece. And people were just like, what the fuck is this? Like, who, who do you think you are? Um, but yeah, I, it was nice to have that escape. And again, like, you know, we would, and then for School of Rock, everyone was talented in their own weird ways too. So we would do little talent shows and sing and we'd go to karaoke nights and yeah, yeah, it was, it was such a, a blast. I mean, I'm really sorry to hear about what happened with your school life because people could be dicks. Really, kids are dicks. fucking dicks. Kids are assholes. Yeah. And you people know, are still. I mean, then those kids that that you know were assholes to me grew up to be assholes. So, like, you know, they're they're, they're people still on my you know my um, Instagram. Like, and of course, I gotta I gotta have better hygiene about like reading the comments and stuff. But like. The podcast has come out now the podcast has come out I've, I've been getting mostly like incredible reviews and like you know warm reception and people being like yes thank god you're doing this we need this and then there's like every so often one person who i'm like in my mind i know who it is because you know i'm like oh it's probably that bitch from like pritzker elementary who mm -hmm. like just always was jealous of me i don't know if it's them or not but like you know being like oh you did grow up you did one movie nobody fucking cares like get get go get you know a degree or something and like be a doctor and that of course will always be the comment that i obsess over and uh spiral out on but i know that ultimately that person is is hurting and just has nothing better to do but to exactly knock somebody more powerful and um exciting than they are down you gotta remember sorry, that no, though sorry Exactly. You know, it's uh, you are one talented, uh, you know, you, you, you're a prominent force in Chicago's music and theatre scenes as well. You're heavily involved in improv comedy. You've got your own podcast in a movie. You can play classical guitar. I mean, see you later. How many shotguns? Yeah, it's like people wind me the fuck up though because I hate it when people are like, oh yeah, uh, I think we, we interviewed a makeup artist back last year and her ex-boyfriend was like, you'll never amount to anything, you know, look at you, who do you think you are? And now she's got yeah. this millions of followers doing like her work is unreal. So, yeah, well, she showed him. Exactly. And now it's like at this point, I'm not trying to do anything to show that, like, you know, I'm not like, oh, you know, for a while I was like, definitely I got addicted to like trying to book the next thing so that I could like kind of walk away from the shadow of school rock. But now that I'm kind of like leaning into it and, you know, people love it so much. And, and, you know, I don't care if I, you know, if school of rock is the biggest thing that I will ever do, um, you know, to you all, like, you know, like, cause I know that like some of the coolest stuff that I've done has been, in an attic with an audience of 40 people with just me and my guitar singing about getting my asshole licked and like you know only those 40 people get to see that production only 40 people get to see that that's amazing like, you know and and that is some of my best work and only those 40 people got to see that performance that one time right and and you know i would take i would take the the feeling of like doing a bar show in Chicago or New Orleans or New York over like, you know, million followers check mark on my profile anyway. Yeah. And I say that now knowing that 
fully like an hour after I hang up on this call with you guys that I'll be scrolling and spiraling on Instagram again. It is just like, I have to say out loud, like, no Riv, like you've done so many cool things. It's not, you are not your career. You are not your money. You are not your following. You're just, you know, you're so special and like, yeah. you know, uh, but it's, I just have to continually remind myself that throughout the day. I have little post-it notes all over Like I'm looking at them right now. Like I have one up there that says you're enough. I have one in my bathroom that says you're not your career. And then I have one on the fridge that says, I love you. And like, you know, I, I have to just set these little reminders for myself that I'm not, um, I'm not a giant bag of shit for like only having done one, like pretty well-known film. Um, because the reality is I have two films coming out in you know, 2021, 20, one is already out, um, and like doing festivals and, you know, the other one is still getting submitted for festivals, but like, again, like, Whoever is meant to see those features gets to see those features. Whoever is meant to see my bar shows gets to see my bar shows. And, and it's, it's, you know, all for me. It's not happening to me. And like the world isn't against me. It's all just like no. all of this is happening for me, for us. So that's the way it, it's your life. Then if you enjoy those bar shows, that's your life you're living you live in that moment with who gives a rat's ass what them down the street know you're from it's what you know in your life it's exactly that can't say better can you now yeah. obviously you said you know life did get pretty damn rough for you once the movie came out you know i i fact you know it came very public after the new york post article which and the blog piece that you wrote over the past few years but for those that don't know Obviously, don't I don't want you to go into detail and depress yourself and you know get upset about it. But what was life like for you after the movie came out? Um, you know, coming back to school, kids were either very nice or very very mean, and there was no middle ground. It was either like that's so awesome, we are so glad you're back, we missed you, or what do you think you're fucking better than us? You think you're a big movie star now, huh? you're still a piece of shit in our eyes. Like, you know, and it's like, okay, <laughs> I am. Um, you know, I had simultaneously boys paying attention to me for the first time in like a way that I wasn't um, used to that felt very good. And like the validation of it was like, oh, tight. Like now that I am uh, like a celebrity I guess in Chicago, like I get attention and validation for, you know, that so I can use that to make friends um, or like people being like, oh, like she's just like really stuck up about School of Rock, even though I totally wasn't like I wasn't going around being like I should get special treatment because I was in this movie. Um, but yeah, I remember there was like a girl who was like, Hey, I know I've been really mean to you in the past, but I love School of Rock. I loved it so much and you were so good in it. And I just think it would be really cool if we could like bury the hatchet and like be friends. And I was just like, that's so sweet. Yeah. And she was like, can I have your autograph just so I can remember you? And I was just like, of course. And I signed her like little lunch card. And then she like tore it up in front of my face and was just like, just kidding, you stupid bitch. And I was just like, I'm 10. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Fucking hell. Kids are twins.
twisted. I'm telling you, they're twisted. And, you know, um, it, it was, it was fine. And, you know, I had, I had, I did have friends at school at that point who were really, who were really cool. And like, they would like defend me and like be on my side. I'm like, Hey, that's like really not nice. Like you shouldn't treat her like that. Um, you know, what did she ever do to you? Um, but for, yeah, for those people, I, I just, I know I've like forgiven all of them because I was, you're, you were a kid. You were probably going through some shit, um, of your own. And yeah, that girl specifically, I remember was like very ugly. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think she was probably just going through that, like that whole thing of like being ugly um, and just needed somebody to take it out on. And I was a very beautiful child and still a very beautiful adult. So absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm totally kidding. I'm such a fucking asshole for saying that. Oh, God's going to get me for that one. Um, okay. Nothing wrong with a bit of confidence. Exactly. <laughs> she was really ugly. Okay. Like. <laughs> I totally believe I, I'm, I'm with you. I totally believe you. So yeah, fuck that girl. Fuck that girl. I'm such. I'm so vain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's this Hollywood. I'm telling you, I live in LA, and this it's what happens. You just become so vain, so full of yourself. Um, no, but I, I do. I do acknowledge that. You know, all of the kids that were were hurting that were hurting me were probably hurting in their own way too, and and that sucks. And you know not to say I was never mean to anybody in middle school, middle school, we're all horrendous to each other. Um, because I mean, millennials like our like way of like being like funny with each other when we were kids was just like being so mean and like, especially yeah. like Chicago kids. Like, I mean, <laughs> Chicago public school kids are petty. <laughs> like we're just very, very like roasting is like our, you know, sport that we're most known for. Um, and, you know, the teachers even like we would roast the teachers. So like, I mean, yeah, it, it just makes sense. And, you know, I was pulled out of that school <laughs> um, and transferred to a smaller school and, you know, things changed. It was, I had a smaller group of friends that were all really nice and got more invested into musical theater and started doing that and really, really set my sights on like, I want to be on Broadway. Um, but then in high school, like I kind of started getting into drugs and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really apply myself that well in school and wasn't able to like get into any of the like musical theater programs that I really wanted to go to. And I ended up just going to like regular theater school and like learning just acting, um, you know, from a, theater standpoint rather than my experience, which had been on set, very different. Um, theater requires a lot of stamina, uh, you know, yeah. uh, especially like diving into those circumstances of whatever character you're playing, like for eight shows a week, which I have that experience and it's, it's very fun. It's electrifying. It's beautiful, but boy, that day off, you're just like a zombie. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that one day off they give you, uh, that Monday off, you're just, you're dead. And of course, on that Monday off, you're probably like getting groceries and like working on, you know, other uh, little side projects, you know, because it's your yeah. one day. It's your one day, you yeah. get. But Life admin. What's that? Doing life admin. Yeah, yeah, all of that. So, go uh, and so we, and you've touched on it quite a few times. So let's let's talk about it. Your podcast, 
So it's obviously called Where Are We Now, which I think is a great concept. I absolutely love the concept of it, you know, where child actors are now and whatnot. Where, what can you tell us about it then? What inspired you to be like, you know what, this sounds like a really great idea. This is what I want to, you know, I'm going to bring it to the forefold. Um, just, I had been seeing on TikTok this, like, rising of so many of the people who are in things that I devoured when I was a kid, like, you know, Lizzie McGuire, Degrassi, etc. you know, on TikTok and being like, it's me. Like, and I was doing the same thing. And I was just like, I want to meet her. I want to meet him. I want to talk to them. I want to like, you know, pick their brain about like what their experience of this very similar thing that we went through is like. And um, I just was like sitting within my Akashic records one day um, and the, the messaging that I was receiving from like my guides, my like spirit guides was like, you have the voice and the connections and the sense of humor to do this thing. And, you know, I, I worked with a, a co like a business coach, um, who has a podcast of their own and like talked about, you know, just the, the idea um itself and she was just like so here's everything that i did to get my thing launched and we launched it within like two weeks and i was, I was like all right well cool um and so yeah i i in december i bought this fancy microphone and you know started toying around with the idea of doing a podcast and kind of dropping little tweet hints like and and instagram hints about maybe doing a podcast and um and then in march i started recording episodes and uh it all fell together really nicely i mean i i got all of the team that i wanted like i got the graphic designer that i wanted i got the music um editor that i wanted um mostly a team of women women uh working on my show um and it's so far so good. We've got two episodes out as of today, April 9th. Um, and, you know, I, I listened to the second episode today while I was on my walk this morning. And I was like, this is so fun. I'm so glad that I get to do this. This is so cool. Like, and I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, I, right before I came on this call, saw on TikTok, Allison Stoner, who was a young woman who was in the, um, all the Missy Elliott videos when she was a kid, she was like a, an amazing hip hop dancer, still is an amazing hip hop dancer. And she was in the Cheaper by the Dozen movies and, you know, did some camp rock on Disney and a bunch of other things. Um, and now she's working on a project about the toddler to train wreck pipeline. And I'm really interested to like chat with her. Um, I, you know, a bunch of people were tagging me in the thing and were like, you got to go on Rivka's podcast. And I was just like, oh my God, I hope she does. I hope she sees those comments. And it's crossed. On the show. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's such a cool, unique idea as well. And it's something, you know, it's very unique to yourself, you know, being a child actor. And I imagine it's also, it's got to be some form of like therapy for yourself to speak to people that are in like similar situations to yourself. Yeah, it is very therapeutic. I think that a lot of my insanity comes from the fact that I always feel like I'm the only person who has this feeling. I'm the only person that has this thought. I'm the only person that feels this way about themselves or about this situation. And then talking to people one-on-one -on -one in general, I mean, this is like not just with my podcast, but like with addiction, with, you know, mental illness and with 
queerness and with, you know, being Filipino and being a mixed person, like all of those things, like I always feel so alone. I always feel like I'm the odd one out because when I was bullied in grade school, I was always made to feel the odd one out. And that's just like this repeated pattern for me um, that has been, you know, something that I've been working through. And there's this like existential part of myself that kind of likes being left out because it allows me to like, you know, uh, validation seek and people please and stuff. And in a way that I like some small part of me, like in a weird fucked up kinky way likes it. And is like, yeah, I actually like the guilt and the shame. Um, and you know, through working with, you know, therapy and, and many years of just like recovery around those like taxing and toxic thoughts, and those patterns, like, I'm just realizing, like, how not alone and how not unique I am in, like, you know, my circumstances, but then how unique my own voice is, um, that I am the right person to tell this story and to, to host this show, and that I am the, you know, the person who, you know, is going to help eventually, hopefully other child actors or parents of child actors to see the way that this shit affects us. And also we get to celebrate our like wins and our, our current, you know, um, uh, joys in life. Um, for, for, for me, at least the biggest takeaway of, of the episodes that I've recorded so far has been like, wow, like we really are just doing our thing now. And like, whether or not we're like in the public eye, we're still going to do what we're passionate about. And whether that's acting or crafting or, you know, writing or water polo, like, you know, we all have our things that we love to do. And it's just really exciting to get to know these folks that like had that very common, but uncommon experience. Mm. I mean, how many people can say that they, you know, were their work was, you know, ingested by millions of people at the age of 10, 13, 16. Like, that's not very common. No, it's so. And it's just very cool that, like, something, some force, like, chose us to get that experience and that we get to connect with each other over it now. That's amazing. I've, I've downloaded both the episodes. I didn't get a chance to listen to them yet but they are ready to down to listen to i will be starting those as soon as i can hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i just quickly wanted to briefly brush back and talk about um the new york post article and the blog piece so what made you decide to come out and speak about all these things especially so openly and honestly and did you honestly expect the article to explode like it did because like every major british tabloid picked this article up like even the daily mail covered it over here really yeah oh, cool. it was everywhere um well uh no i i did not expect it to blow up the way it did i honestly um somebody from the new york post reached out to me and was like hey do you want to talk about the britney documentary and i was just like yeah and we were talking about the Britney documentary and then it just kind of became about me and she was like wait i'm just like more interested in your experience of you know, the childhood acting. And I was just like, yeah, I'm down to talk about it. And, you know, that in conjunction with the article that I wrote in March of 2020, um, it's like a little over a year ago now, um, I had seen 
some actor who had done a couple of episodes of, I think, Fresh Prince or something like that um, was being like publicly like shamed on Twitter for like working in a grocery store now. And there's like people bullying him, like being mm. like, oh, how sad, how sad. I saw that. Yeah. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like nobody knows how acting works. Like we're not making like a million dollars per episode. Like that's not going to like sustain us for the, especially like fresh Prince was in like the nineties. Like that's not going to sustain this guy. And he's not Will Smith, like, you know, um, and how like terrible for people to shame him like that when like he clearly like, you know, whether he wanted to stay an actor or not is none of your fucking business. And like, you know, where he works now is none of your business and just like leave people alone. And yeah. I went on like a Twitter rant, <laughs> which nobody should allow me to have my phone before uh, bef- when I'm in, when I'm it, you know, like, but I, I was in like a lot of rage around that time when that happened and from outside circumstances. And then I'm probably political, um, <laughs> but um yeah, like I went on this little Twitter rant and then um, I was just like, well, why don't I like write an essay about this and like my personal experience with it? I feel like that would make me feel a lot better about like some of my family stuff. It would make me feel about a lot better about my career scarcity mindset that I'm in. And so I wrote the piece and then I held on to it for a couple months. And then when the quarantine happened, I was just like, you know what? Maybe it's time to tell my story. And I put the article Confessions of an Obsolete Child Actor up on Medium and Medium picked it up and then it got picked up by a bunch of other publications. And then right around the time when the podcast, you know, was in the development phase, um, this person from New York Post reached out and was like, we'd love to do a piece with you. I was just like, perfect timing. Let's get people, you know, on the Twitter and like ready to listen to my podcast. And yeah, of course, you know, again, going back to that thing of like, you know, a lot of good response, a lot of people being like in support and being like, I love the way that like you, you know, talked about your addiction and whatever. And then a couple people who like didn't read the article at all. And they just saw the, you know, poorly named article because people like people have to make a paycheck somehow and they have to like title these articles super like buzz, like worthy, like, yeah. like baby. So the title of the article was like School of Rock Star says the movie caused her to be bullied and like addiction or whatever. And a bunch of these like angry like incels on uh, Twitter were just like, oh, like she blamed the movie on her addiction. Like she did that to herself. And it's like, come on, like just read the article. Like if you read the article, there's nowhere in it. That's <laughs> like I blame myself for the drugs that I put in my nose. You know, I, I'm not blaming the movie or, you know, the, the Hollywood you know, I blame myself for the drugs that I did and for the, the ways that I spiraled. But, you know, yeah, actually, Hollywood does have a lot to do with the way that uh, kids, especially like femme, like female, feminine, whatever, you know, kids think about themselves, um, especially with their bodies and stuff like, you know, boys can get away with looking a certain kind of way. But like, you know, I it was made very clear to me that I was not what Hollywood was looking for. Um, you know, physically, um, appearance wise, you know, after a couple auditions for Disney and Nickelodeon, um, which is sad considering <laughs> like that's ridiculous. It, it's, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous considering how gorgeous I am. Like, <laughs> again, going back to, you know, 
going back to that and like i have no i have absolutely no shame in saying like now today 2021 at 28 years old like how they were missing out because i was a very i mean i'm a talented kid but at the same time it wasn't meant for me to be hannah montana level it wasn't meant for me to be you know spy kids level or whatever but now that i've got you know several years of recovery and therapy under my belt and you know sobriety and, and all that like and self-awareness under my belt i feel like i've i've got <laughs> so many tools with which I can help others. And my wish for, you know, anything that I write um, on the topic of child acting and any podcast episode I put out there, um, you know, mine included and, you know, this one included and, you know, other shows that I guest on, like my wish is that people <laughs> understand and have like a little more compassion towards like the, people in the industry that get treated like absolute garbage um when we're all human and we all are like extremely sensitive like <laughs> and especially kids are so impressionable um that we should really be treating them uh with a lot more tenderness uh than we do especially in hollywood yeah, I mean, when we announced that we were doing this interview with you, a couple of my friends reached out to me and said, we absolutely love them. You know, it's just, uh, they're a massive inspiration to us. Um, and people got, yeah, literally quite a few comments from people saying how much they love you. Well, that's sweet. I love, I love them too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I did, okay, I'm stumbling over my words here. So I saw that since you've joined uh, Second City in Chicago to do comedy and you continue to act, I saw trailers for Bad Animal and Alex October, and they both look amazing, especially Bad Animal. I really like, I, I need to search that film out because it looks brilliant. It looked really good. And you continue to do your music, including singing, which I love as it's amazing. I, I love the fact, you know, this stuff in the past, it didn't deter you. You're just like, do you know what? Okay, that that I had a bit of a shit time then, but now fucking going for it. I love singing, I'm gonna sing. I love acting, I'm gonna act. I love doing this, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do this. It's amazing. I, I but what made you want to start a career in comedy? I was not getting what I wanted out of <laughs> so selfish. I was getting <laughs> what I wanted out of theater school. Um I just was looking for more training. I, I'm a, I'm a student. I love being a student. I love it. You know, even though I didn't apply myself in high school, I love learning. Um, I'm taking so many classes right now, like just online, just for fun. Like I'm taking business classes just because I want to learn about venture capitalism and stuff and like crypto and, um, and also how to like run, a, you know, tarot online, you know, tarot and Akashic Records business just because you know, I want these like re recession proof skills just in case something like COVID happens again in my lifetime. Like I want to be armed with these like facts and these numbers and these formulas for, you know, how to stay afloat during a, a global crisis, you know, if that ever happens again, um, especially with like climate change and everything, like the world is probably going to fall apart while I'm on it. So like, <laughs> I want to be ready for doomsday. Um, but 
I was, yeah, when I was a, a freshman in college, I, I had, of course, when I was a freshman in college, I was like, I'm not loving this. I'm like not feeling this. I'm going to stay in school, but I also want some outside training. So sorry, there's helicopters going by. Um, the uh, improv community in Chicago is so, so um, celebrated and so fun mm. and I would like go and see like uh sketch shows in you know all around the city like at Second City IO Annoyance um Chicago has I mean psh, over like a thousand improv teams and I had done you know little improv things in high school and taking classes then and I was like, well, this would be like a fun way to deepen my acting, you know, exercise. Because in auditions, they ask you to do improv all the time. They say like, you know, they'll be like, okay, this one, have fun with the script. And what they really mean is do improv. Like, you know, take what you know of the the story in the script and ha make it your own. Um, and I was just like, I thought this would be a good idea to, you know, get more skills for auditioning and for acting in general, because improv is highly reactive and you're you're just you so you're listening really you have to listen really really hard and it makes you just an all-around better actor um more present more impulsive more yeah reactive um and yeah i just ended up making a bit of a name for myself at at second city and io and you know going through all their programs and um i went through the like io improv school and then I went through the Second City Musical Improv Conservatory and then did the Bob Curry Diversity Fellowship and got to do a couple of um, like one-off gigs with them, um, you know, in Chicago, uh, little corporate gigs, which was fun, <laughs> nice, you know, paycheck here and there. Um, Second City is cool because they have like an industrial wing where they do like um internal use only like industrial content for brands and stuff and i got to do some of those which was really fun got to like read off a teleprompter uh <laughs> and you know be on a green screen which was really cool um yeah I, I i have deep love for second city even though it's like a highly racist institution and has been under fire this year um uh after the uh black lives matter protests in uh, america started uh, a lot of these comedy institutions were called out for several years of just like abuse of their POC talent. Um, but I did gain a lot. What I gained from Second City and IO was friends, like some of my closest friends that, you know, oh my God, I'm like getting emotional thinking about it. Like I, I have so many like amazing friends in Los Angeles, Chicago and New York who I met at Second City, like when we were just like mm. babies, like playing pretend in this basement, like, you know, together. And now like I'm some, some of them are like mega famous. Like I have friends on SNL. I have friends that are like, you know, out here, like doing TV work and film work and Broadway and stuff that when we met in Second City's little, you know, hallowed halls and those very racist halls we, we met there and, you know, especially the like Bob Curry folks, like the, the diversity initiative that they had there, like while it was like highly like, like problematic, like, you know, like let's give you guys free classes and, you know, you're not going to get paid to do all this work, but you're going to get exposure and like a bunch of agents are going to see you and maybe you'll get work off that. Like, but congrats, like, you know, 
pretty much everyone that went through the Bob Curry fellowship for my year and the year before that are like working actors, working performers and writers in writer's room uh, for, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and um, Broad City and stuff like that. And, and you know, everyone is just thriving. Everyone is, is really thriving um, despite all of the uh, ickiness that <laughs> happened uh, in our time at Second City. <laughs> And I was I was doing my research on you before we did this, and and um, that's two songs I discovered that you did. One, the name has completely escaped me, but it was about had taken a dump and blaming on a roommate. Had yes, me yes, in tears. The classic, the classic but the one that got me the most was "Forgot Your Name." I was I was sat there and thinking, why have I never heard this song before? I was like, first off, your voice is incredible, like Thank ridiculously you. good. I know, right? <laughs> but secondly, the song is hilarious. Like they will forever be called social meads to me for forever. <laughs> <laughs> that line, I don't do that line live because it's lost on people. When I perform it live, I change it to what is it? Oh God. I haven't done a live show in so long. Um, it's been quite literally a calendar year. Um, okay, so what is it in the video? It's like, I ask for your handle, but you're not on social, social media. media. Uh, in, in the live performance, I say, I ask how you spell it, and you say the normal way. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that hits different, like, live than in social media, because I feel like that goes over people's heads and they're like, what? Um, but yes, yes, social media... It's just brilliant. So funny. But I was listening to it. I was thinking, obviously, these songs were done as part of like comedy and whatnot. But have you ever thought about doing like rec writing, recording your own album, even if it's like a comedy album? Just yeah, because it's so good. Yeah, I've got it. But, you know, it's really funny over the years working at Second City and doing like improv and sketch around Chicago and and whatnot. I, I developed a bit of a, you know, a desire to do solo content and you know i would i would go to the open mics and instead of doing like a 15 minute like or not 15 geez nobody gets 15 at an open mic uh <laughs> we oh. wish we fucking wish uh but like instead of doing like a little you know three minute stand-up set i would just like do a song or do like 30 seconds of like three different songs and that would be my like time and i'd be like do you guys like that like you know like and i would like build my work essentially in the second city way like which is from improv to written to polished um pieces and the first, like I mentioned, you know, one of the shows that I would do pretty regularly took place in an attic in uh, my friend's apartment in Chicago called The Shithole. And I <laughs> was asked last minute, they were like, hey, like, Riv, we have a slot open for tonight. Do you want to come in and do a set at Shithole tonight? And I was just like, yeah, hell yeah. And, you know, I was just like not feeling any of my material. And I was just like one night I was just like, I'm just going to read some, write something like the day of this show. And I wrote this stupid fucking song about like getting my ass ate for the first time. And like, it ended up being like my like piece de resistance, like, you know, throughout my career in Chicago, like, Oh, you know, Rivka, like the one who does the song about butthole, like, you know, I, I, <laughs> 
I became the butthole girl in Chicago. I was like, well, you know, hey, I'd take butthole girl over school of rock girl for for <laughs> a little while. I'll take it, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up like, you know, getting together a repertoire of of songs that were comedic in nature. And then every once in a while, I'd be asked to do a longer set. Like if I was ever asked to do like a 40 minute set, um, I could do like all of my funny songs and then incorporate like a cover here and there, like do like a, you know, Alanis Morissette song or like, or sing one of my songs that I've written that is very serious. And it was funny cause like, cause these people are expecting a comedy show. So sometimes if I was performing one of my serious songs, they would like laugh because some of the lyrics, I guess, are still kind of funny in the context of a comedy show. Um, and that was always such a bizarre experience. But yeah, before I left Chicago um, in January of 2020, I did a like show with a full band where I did all of my comedic stuff uh and a couple of covers um and that was that was dreamy it was so fun um my yeah a couple of my friends um played uh for me uh, i had a drummer a bassist and a pianist and i played guitar on um most of the songs um but i would love to get back to doing that like you know with a different band probably but like because we're you know they're all in chicago um <laughs> but yeah, that was so fun, and I'd love to do a live album. I think that would be really tight. Would you ever bring the show over here? I, I mean, I'm, I love love England. I was in Colchester randomly. Nice, Ronda. It's very random place. Two Christmases ago, yeah. Somebody I was dating, their family was from Colchester, uh, <laughs> so I was I was there for. Um, I went there for holiday uh, in 20. Pretty fucking good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it gets worse and worse. It gets worse and worse. I was, when I was at the grocery store, I was, I took, I went on a date at the grocery store today. <laughs> this morning, yeah, like I, I went on my like long ass walk and then I met up with this person at a grocery store. And we were sitting outside because in LA, the grocery stores have like dining areas outside. Oh, okay. Um, you it's like hot. It's hot. It's summer year round, you know? So um, we were like drinking smoothies and, and this like song by this British singer came on and I was just like, I love this song. It's so British. And she was like, what do you mean? And then the guy, the, the voice comes in and it's like, me and you went to hell and back when you found me. It's just <laughs> very, very British. <laughs> she was like, oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, totally bring it over here. If you can get over here when obviously COVID decides to fuck off, then uh, please come over. I want to. I have my passport. I've been half vaccinated and I have my second dose next week. So I'm hoping to do some domestic or some international travel um, by myself, which I've never I've never done that because that trip that I was out in England uh, a couple years ago was with a with like a, a boo of mine. Um, and like that was cool. We got we went into we went to London for one day, which was really nice. But for the most part, we were in Colchester. <laughs> Just so yes. It's not the the nicest of places. I, I don't it know was so that. cute. We and then we went into Mersey, I believe, uh, like little fishy area. Okay. And got some. We got some good fish, uh, seafood, and 
and but yeah for the most part we were in uh colchester uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. the one day we spent in, in london was really cool i got to see platform nine and three quarters which you know as a giant harry potter nerd no not not so much anymore because harry potter now has this like layer of transphobia and uh, anti-semitism mm. around it <laughs> but very, very, very slightly <laughs> a, subtle, a subtle drip of transphobic and uh fat phobic and anti-semitic uh uh, ism around it it's not very nice um <laughs> no. yeah we, we, we don't <laughs> we don't claim jk rowling anymore um <clears throat> but uh what else did we do we, we yeah we got um we went into shoreditch and you know walked around and uh, went shopping and we went up to the pickle the what is the the, the, the gherkin the gherkin <laughs> there's a building that looks like a Gherkin. The sh I'm just trying to think. The, the shard? <laughs> the shard. Yes, yes. Yeah, the yes. shard, yeah. We went to the shard and we saw the the gherkin from the shard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not to look it out now. Yeah, the, there's a building called the Gherkin. It's at 30 St. Mary Axe. <laughs> so what? <laughs> so what this is. I was gonna say yes, there is. Yes, there's a gherkin yes, there yes. somewhere. Yes. Uh, it's a bullet-shaped bullet office tower known as I know what you mean now. Okay. Yes. Where are I you know. guys? I'm in I'm Birmingham. Birmingham. I'm currently in, in Bristol, but I live in Cardiff. Cardiff. I love ugh, I love British names and stuff of things. Cardiff's uh, in Wales as well, so it's the Welsh capital city. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. It's it's, so it's, it's a decent city, but I'm at my girlfriend's. I just have the, the beautiful decor behind me. Yeah. Um, I'm in my girlfriend's uh, apartment, as you would call it. Flat. So, yeah. Flat, yes. <laughs> I watch way too much uh, Love Island, so <laughs> I get all my oh, dialect. Oh, no. I, I know. It is trash. I love it. I love it so much. I hate to love it. I love the Scouse girls on that show. They're so, they're so, I can't understand a fucking word they say. <laughs> Neva can wait, don't worry. What was that? I said, Neva can wait, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't really say that Birmingham is unique for England, though, because you've got one too, so. Yeah, yeah. I think we do have a Birmingham in America. Alabama. Alabama, yeah. Yep. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Um, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I love that you guys didn't know what the gherkin was, and I did. Is that is it not a is it not a thing? <laughs> I mean, it, it's probably one of the most famous buildings that we're just like we have no idea what's going on, and then we're looking, oh, it was that. <laughs> yeah, we did go to the shard, and then we went to the we we could see. I think what it was was we could see the gherkin from the shard. <laughs> for people that don't know what we're talking about it's like because you're like, gherkin the from the shard what the fuck talking about <laughs> are you having okay. a stroke <laughs> it sounds like i'm having a stroke you can see the gherkin from the shard <laughs> or like i'm playing i'm talking sims like you know the, the sims how they were like normal oh. <laughs> <laughs> is that a swedish sims <laughs> yes yes the Swedish Sims. Uh, it's so funny. There's a video circulating of Katy Perry singing 
her song last Friday night in Simlish, which is Sim English. It's like label, 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 deeps. Like it's so stupid. <laughs> That's like my new favorite song now. I'm listening to that later. It's so good. It's it's, oh, it's addicting. <laughs> I've not heard of that. Anyway, I'd probably pull it back on track really, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but before we like start wrapping things up i did want to touch briefly on your name because now i know people who know you from your past work like school of rock and whatnot will see the name rebecca brown they're not going to see rivka reyes uh-huh. so what led you to deciding to change your name and where did the name come from yeah um i'm happy to answer that question um the name rivka is the decolonized version of my old name and um reyes is the last name of one of my ancestors and it means kings uh and i i thought it was a really i liked the um i liked the alliteration of my old stage name which uh, in chicago and you know for the last uh, several years i was known to the public as becca brown uh which is so funny i like I, when i say it it feels foreign i i don't i don't particularly love saying it or like being like anyone calling me by that name anymore and like um when it happens i'm just like it's jarring and i sometimes still get emails like from companies that i haven't unsubscribed from that are like hey becca and i'm like Ugh. like <laughs> it's just so <laughs> gross it's like so gross um but yeah i, I think uh being able to decolonize my name and you know even last name brown to like my dad you know his side is uh, jewish from you know um he's ashkenazi jewish and i guess when his ancestors came to america they gave them the last name brown because they had brown hair uh but their their actual last name was much more jewy uh uh that they wanted to like let them fly under the radar, I guess. And so I think that's like such a fucked up thing that like happens to, you know, people of color, Jewish people, um, et cetera. And like being able to reclaim this name that was always meant to be my name, you know, um, which I did find within the Akashic records and talk about that on TikTok quite a bit. Um, You know, it feels much more ancestor affirming gender affirming um i love the nickname riv when people call me riv it just makes my my heart so happy um because i never felt like a connection to my old name i actually just got um a little necklace (laughs) i got a little necklace that says rivka because i never like i never got stuff really with my name on it i never like I don't know. I never felt a connection to my old name, but this ever since August, which is when I officially made the change, like, you know, this, I want to put my name on everything. I want to have, you know, my name on marquees and, and, you know, neon lights and stuff. And it's, it's kind of a reclaiming of that too, because my mom would always say like, we gave you the name we gave you because we saw that name in the lights. And I was just like, okay, um, well, that's not going to happen. Uh, sorry. Uh, but you know, um, I, I do think that the name Riv Correa's has even like, I mean, fuck star quality, whatever that is like 
you know, there's a person named Jake Gyllenhaal that's famous. And like, that's such a, a like clunky, weird fucking name, but like, you know, like <laughs> Gyllenhaal. Um, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal just like, what the fuck did I do to you? <laughs> I love you, Jake. I love Jake Gyllenhaal so much. He's so talented. Seen him in uh, Sunday in the Park with George and he is iconic. He's such a great singer and actor and I love him. I just, the name is so clunky. Um, and you know what? Who am I to fucking say anything about it? That's a family name and, and you know, it. he could have, he could have done, you know, what a lot of people done and just go by Jake Hall and like, you know, shorten it and make it more pronounceable for the whites. But like, no, he like he he took his, you know, he claimed his 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 whatever ancestry, I'm sure Iceland, I don't know, that is, and like went for it. And, you know, I, I think that it is important to and we just saw um, Tandiwe Newton, like reclaim the um, original uh, spelling of her name, um, which is fucking beautiful. And I think the world is like heading towards decolonization and you know reclaiming of of um indigenous in indigeneity and and um culture outside of like eurocentricism uh and and whiteness which is really beautiful um but yeah fuck star quality i think my name of is is just like a superhero name i feel like yeah yeah it literally means and my middle name that i've given myself is juno um which oh. is yeah the goddess of love <laughs> all right um, so like my name literally when you just say it out like is <laughs> captivating goddess of love king <laughs> incredible so, badass name I mean, it's powerful it fits, it fits. <laughs> amazing uh tom have you got anything else you wanted to add just want to say that massively admire you i think you're a huge inspiration i genuinely have really enjoyed listening to you you know your story and everything and i've just found a whole new love for you if like i really have i just think you're a true angel oh thanks bro you're, I'm sorry. You're, you're, it's all right. It's, it's, you know, I don't blame you at all, to be fair. I suppose you do it earlier. <laughs> We've opened Pandora's box of that accent now. It ain't going it's nowhere. It's happening. It's not going anywhere. I've like also recently finished the season of UK Drag Race, which Ru, RuPaul comes into the workroom every week and she goes, you're right, babes. And I think it's so cute. <laughs> and they're, they're, oh God, I love, I love british drag is so so good and yeah i i just uh thank you guys so much for having me on and it was so lovely chatting with you that's beautiful Loved you guys have got good banter as oh, they cheers, love. true <laughs> bants true fucking bants proper bants proper bants <laughs> You know, I studied, I got to do a lot of Pinter in uh, in college, Pinter plays, which, you know, we had to do the British accent for it because the, the, the dialogue didn't make any sense if we were just like Americans saying like, are you mucking around with girls at night, are you? Like, you know, like, so we did mucking around with girls in the night. <laughs> Oh, phenomenal. Love it. Oh. Love it. Right, just, just quickly, before we get out of it, we have a little game we like to play with our guests. Yes, I love a game. Wonderful. I love it. Basically, we just call it the quick fire round. We shoot five questions at you and you answer them as quick as you can. It's really okay. very simple. 
Great. People always ask, seem really pressured until they hear the first question. Like, oh, what the fuck am I worrying about? Here we go. First question. Favorite pizza topping? Um, olives. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. It's interesting answer, though. First concert you ever went to? Elton John? No, that was my second concert. Santana. Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> that's too iconic. Incredible. Yeah, my now, dad had impeccable taste. Still does. That's amazing. Amazing. Uh, your favorite Muppet? Ooh, I like I like Kermit. I gotta say, I think Miss I think Miss Piggy and Kermit are just such an iconic gay duo. They're like trans, and they're they're both so cute. I love them so much. I we honestly, love Kermit is great. Your favorite chocolate slash candy bar? Ooh, well, if we're going American, I really like a good old Snickers bar. But if we're going British, I really like the flake. Oh, yes. I had a flake. I had a flake earlier on today. You had a flake earlier on today. I did. I, I haven't. I used to I used to order them on Amazon like to get shipped to the United States like a fucking weirdo. Um, but now it's like a, you know, I'm only going to do that when I'm in the UK. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, who would play you in the movie of your life? Me. Perfect answer. Yeah, Perfect absolutely answer. me. Like, there's no one better. <laughs> a million percent. And last but not least, a piece of advice you would give to the younger version of yourself. I love that. Did you? That's that's so fun. I, I asked that of my uh, guests on my podcast. Um, you know, today I would say you are doing an excellent job. Keep doing what you're doing and don't let anyone make you feel like you're less than, you know, would my little child listen to that? Probably not. She'd be like, who are you? Weirdo. Uh, <laughs> get out of my bedroom. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have to remind myself on a constant <laughs> basis that like I am doing a great job at what I'm doing. And like if people don't like it, they don't like it. And they are making room for more people who will like it. So, yeah. And also, like, don't dim your shine. Don't dim your shine. Don't you forgive yourself for being special. Little Riv. And I love, love you. That. I love that. Don't dim your shine. Beautiful. That's what you need cross-stitched on a little plaque. That's amazing. That's a, that's a saying, that is. Don't dim your shine. I like that. Yeah. I am due to get another one soon. I really want, uh, I really want another one. So, yeah, maybe I'll hit up my girl. Incredible. Do it. Right, before we get out of here, just... Give us any plugs, websites, stores, social meds, anything you want people to follow. <laughs> yeah, um, I am at Rivka.Reyes on uh, Instagram and TikTok. Please follow my TikTok. I love TikTok. It is so fun. Even if you're old and a millennial like me, TikTok is okay for you to be on. You learn so much more than you think you will uh, when you are on that platform. I have learned more in my year on TikTok than I have in college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rivka, that's R-I-V-K-A-H dot R-E-Y-E-S on Insta and TikTok. And then on Twitter, I'm just Rivka Reyes, no dot. Um, my podcast is called Where Are We Now? We have an Instagram and it's at Where Are We Now Pod. And you can subscribe to my Patreon 
which is patreon.com slash Riv Correa's to get some uh, BTS content, spicy content. There's um, early access to all the episodes of Where Are We Now, as well as um, some unreleased music and stuff that I shan't publicize because it's too precious to my heart. But I feel like the patrons, you know, it's a community of folks that I want to keep, you know, them uh, spiritually fed with my music. Beautiful. Ria, oh, thank you beautiful. so, so much. Absolutely genuine pleasure and love to talk to you today. Incredible. Thank you. I'm sorry I couldn't hold back with the accent. I've oh. been on so many British podcasts recently. I've just, I have not, I have my self control is, it's awful. I can't do it. I'm so pleased you did it. Surprised you did it, like I said. Surprised <laughs> you didn't do the whole show like it. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go live on TikTok and and just like dip in and out of a British accent, and people will be like, "I didn't know you were British," and I'll be like, "Oh my god, thank you!" See, <laughs> fantastic. But please enjoy the rest of your day. All right, you take care, and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the episode. Thanks, guys. You're very thank welcome. You, thank you so much. It's been amazing. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Frank Uyamili. And I'm the narrator for some wonderful audio dramas from Syscast, like Marty and Mars, Bounty Hunters, and a great part in Val Toby, with much more to come. You can find these programs on Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or head over to our website, www.syscast.com. We are excited to announce that we are now affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. This is Rachel Roll. I'm a body painter, and you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie.